Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become a confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am excited to have Nigel Green as my guest. And let me tell you a little bit about Nigel. So Nigel is a sought after sales advisor, author of Revenue Harvest, a sales leader's almanac for planning the perfect year and the widely regarded authority on improving sales performance. He has worked with dozens of B2B sales teams across the globe to more than double sales results. Private equity firms trust Nigel to evaluate their sales teams to maximize the valuation of their portfolio companies. With over 10 plus years of executive experience ranging from Fortune 500 companies to early stage growth companies and certification in talent optimization. He is sought after by executives to improve the sales team performance. His insights have been featured in top business publications like Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, Entrepreneur, Business Insider. Nigel was recognized as a top consultant by Selling Power Magazine in 2021 and 2022. As a consultant and advisor, he can help any sales team with big sales goals, experience consistent sales growth by utilizing his seven sales leadership principles. Today, our theme is going to be how to quickly turn around an underperforming sales team. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Nigel Green. Welcome, Nigel. Hey, Vicki. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. So we always start out with the easy question before we get to the meat of this. So where do you call home? Where do you live? Jacksonville Beach, Florida. And it's oh. new for me. Uh, for the past five years, I lived on a farm uh, about an hour outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So the greater Nashville area was home for 15 years. Uh, but uh, like I said, in July, we moved to Jacksonville Beach. Oh, nice. I um, My best friend grew up in Jacksonville um, area, so familiar. And it's a little bit warmer than Tennessee. A little bit warmer, for sure. And <laughs> and certainly within, within close striking distance to Roswell. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So let's just get right into this. I, I know that sales is always something that is somewhat mystifying to people <laughs> and uh, maybe avoiding uh, what needs to be done. But when should you hire a sales leader? 
Yeah, that, I get this question, I mean, at least once a week, whether it's uh, through an email uh, or in a LinkedIn message, I get a founder or a CEO of a, either it's a founder of an earlier stage company that's just received some investment, or it is uh, a, a business owner that has started a company and they've grown their company largely through their own grit and the ability to, to acquire customers and they're feeling like there's more scale that could be had and they want to hire a sales leader to come in and build out a team. And, and I, in both scenarios, I have to pause them and say, you're not ready to hire a sales leader until, okay. And so here's some, some kind of circumstances that might warrant a sales leader. You have an already existing team of salespeople, a team, not just one salesperson, but a team of individuals that you have brought on. They have been trained and they have their own book of business and can create customers on their own. That's when you need a sales leader. You, a sales leader's job is to come in and really handle three C's for a CEO or a, a founder. The first C is competition. They have to understand the, the competitive landscape and try to figure out how to give guidance to the, the individuals, including mm -hmm. the CEO that have influence over the offering. So uh, competition, the other is customers. They have the ability to find new customers, uh, go back and sell those customers something else, and then cash. Uh, cash is the third C. They, they they need to be able to build a budget and understand the economics behind what it takes to acquire a customer, keep a customer, uh, and and share insights to improve the cash position of the business through the sales team. So in, in um, I guess, lay terms, <laughs> would they be kind of like the quarterback or the project lead to make sure that the team has the resources, the strategy that they need to be successful, and um, maybe they're giving it a, a more holistic or bigger picture view of the scenario that maybe the individual salespeople are too close to it to see, would you say? So like I'm a football guy, so I, I gravitated to that quarterback analogy. I would say it's not the quarterback, it's the head coach. Okay. So right. here's the distinction. And I, and I want the business owners to hear this quarterbacks still play the game. Uh, Coach, yes. Coaches don't put on pads and run out on the field. Very true. And so a lot of, a lot of CEOs and, and owners of businesses fall into this trap of hiring a sales leader and then they want to make them go and, and produce. If that's the case, you're not ready for a sales leader uh, because the job of being a sales leader is coaching and training and development and working alongside the management team uh, to scale the team of sellers. And you can't do that if you've got to go out and you know play 60 plays in the game yourself. So uh, it's more of a coach. Very good. That's great advice. I have to add that to the, your series of questions. That was a good one. When is it time to um, really s say that, that the person that you have, that you hired as a sales leader is not doing what they need to do and make a change? Because I think sometimes once you put somebody in that position, there is that feeling like, well, they've got it and um, I, I can wipe my hands to this and just go on my day. Yeah. So first and foremost, if 
if they aren't hitting the numbers, and, and I mean, when I say they're not hitting the numbers, if the team's not performing and they signed off on the number, a lot of times the team's not performing. Well, it's because the numbers aren't real. Some, somebody, mm-hmm. some CFO set a growth target that seemed really good for the year, but no one asked the sales team if this was even believable. So if we've got mm-hmm. a believable sales number and we're not hitting it, uh, it's time to have conversations with our sales leader about what's going on. If mm-hmm. we're hitting it, but we're hitting it because one or two of the reps are producing all of the results and the mm-hmm. other six or seven are falling behind, it's a, it's time to have a conversation about uh, is our sales leader training and developing the rest yeah. of the team? Because one of the chief responsibilities of a sales leader is to make sure that the results are equitable, that everything is evenly distributed. And if if we've got people on the team that aren't being successful, we need to coach them up or coach them out. Uh, and that's, so that's the, um, that's another condition. We're hitting our number, but it's only because of a couple uh, of reps. If, and then the, the third kind of big kind of situation that we want to look at is if we, if your sales leader is always having to close the deal, Mm. for the team we've got a challenge i I call it uh you've got a team of peel my orange reps my when my son wants to eat an orange there's no orange unless i peel his orange for him and so if you've got a sales team that wants to close the deal but they can't close it without you you've got peel my orange reps yeah and you really haven't lessened the amount of work that you're doing that's a good one so how do I know if I'm hiring the right salespeople? Yeah. So uh, I wish there was a perfect recipe for this, <laughs> uh, but I, I have oh an God. entire course on hiring salespeople. And I'll say, I'll say a couple of things uh, that, that come from this course that are just kind of be little headlines for you to think about the best salespeople don't work for your company. They're not the receptionist. They're not someone that built the product. Uh, They don't work for you. Okay. They work somewhere else in a sales job. The best salespeople are found, meaning you find them selling something else and you train them on your offering. Okay. The second thing about really good salespeople is they don't apply for jobs. And people say, huh, so if if you're looking for good salespeople and you're going to go post a job on Indeed or post it on LinkedIn, you're going to get salespeople that are trying to get their first job in sales or are looking to get a new job because they're not being successful in their current job. There are exceptions to this. So if you're listening to this and you feel offended by the fact that you're out there trying to apply for a sales job. And there there are certainly exceptions and I, and I, you can go hire a sales rep from LinkedIn or indeed, but generally the best salespeople aren't applying for jobs because they're busy meeting or exceeding their targets at their current job and earning handsome commissions. Mm -hmm. But you have to go find them and interrupt them being successful somewhere else. So those are the kind of the, the two starting points. And the last thing I'll say is the interview process. And I go in depth about the interview process in my, in my course. My grandfather used to say to me that son, if you sit at the poker table and you can't find the schmuck, it's you. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of CEOs and HR managers that interview salespeople. Every, 
you're go- you're going to walk away from every interview from any halfway decent sales candidate, and you're going to love them. You're going to think they're great. Well, guess what? That's because they interview every day, all day for a living. They interview customers. They interview for jobs. They're better at this than you are. And so if you're going on purely just how the conversation felt, you are going to make a bad decision because they, they've got leverage over you just by having more repetition. So the, mm-hmm. the solve for this is your interview process has to mirror your buying experience. So if you sell in Zoom, they need to be presenting in Zoom. Mm-hmm. If a lot of the job is doing outbound and, and doing cold calls, you need to see them do that. You need to observe it. Uh, the, it's highly unlikely that the the way they're going to have to get customers is going to be through just a series of conversations without using technology, without engaging with content, mm-hmm. without overcoming objections. And if you don't give them objections during the interview process, you're not going to see uh, oh, how yeah. they handle objections. Right. Yeah. Right. That's really sound advice. Excellent. So, so, so you get somebody that um, did well through that interview process. And you talked about this earlier that you're in your um, training in your books you have about orientation. I think a lot of companies skip over that orientation piece. What would be maybe the top three or four things that you really need to make sure your orientation includes to give that person a good foundation? So uh, I love this question. The the first thing I would say is an element of home study. Okay. So the one kind of nuance about a sales role is that generally uh, they don't exercise or, or have to work out some kind of two week notice. Uh, but they're going to get paid for it anyway. And so you may, you may go in, you always want to go into it, assuming they're going to have to give some kind of notice and they will set a start date for two weeks from, from today. And then they usually they go in and turn in their notice and they say, thanks, but your services aren't needed. So they got two weeks to do nothing. Uh, I like a home study for that, which is, uh, you know, I've just worked on one for a client of mine. It's about a hundred pages of material Mm -hmm. that needs to be read and consumed before you even show up. So it saves you a lot of expensive time of having mm-hmm. to go over this one-offs with every person. They can read this. It, it does it, and it, it lets you get an understanding as a hiring manager uh, how willing they are to invest in their own learning. So th- th- to sum that up, you got to have some kind of home study that is you need to know this before you even show up on day one. And then the second thing, uh, most training doesn't have a testing component. Mm-hmm. If the student didn't learn, the teacher didn't teach. That's why teachers give out tests because they it gives them a way of knowing if the students actually learned it. And I think that if whatever you're training on, company, the values, the offering, the competitive landscape, how to use the CRM, there needs to be a test. Otherwise, how do you know if they've mastered it? So mm-hmm. home study and a test. Excellent. The um, times fly by. <laughs> so the question I had was it, your sales year over year have grown, but now all of a sudden they're flat. And, you know, especially we saw that in the last three years with COVID and whatnot, but in a normal year, non-pandemic, what happened? How do you determine that? It could be a number of things. Uh, Generally one of two things has happened. The first is uh, you have a team 
of salespeople that are doing too much of the buying process. They have to go prospect, they have to close leads, and then managing existing customers. So okay. if you're looking around and your sales are flat, uh, and you look at your sales team and they have to do execute every stage of the transaction, probably an opportunity for you to specialize your sales team to get back on the growth train. Meaning that uh, at some point when you've got enough business as a seller and you're doing all of it, you don't have time to prospect anymore because you're managing existing portfolio of business. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to go in and dedicate a team to new customers. You've got to dedicate a team to existing customers. And so specialization is a way to, if you're feeling like you're stagnant and then you check the box of, yeah, well, my sales reps have to do all of it, you need to specialize it. If you've got a team of specialists and then you're still flat, I would say the way your customer wants to buy has changed. Mm. Okay. And we, I see that a lot now because salespeople and marketers are notorious for abusing a tactic. Uh, it was email 10 years ago. It's LinkedIn messages. Now the Gartner did a study. Uh, and I had, I had someone from Gartner on my podcast a year ago to talk about, uh, just changes in buying sentiment post COVID. And so they did this study over a number of buyers or different types of offerings. And basically the conclusion was most buyers, whether it's a car or a sophisticated piece of expensive software, if they could buy it without talking to a sales rep, they would. Yeah. And so what that means to sales teams is like, it doesn't mean you got to go fire your sales team, but it means how do you create content to let the buyer learn about the offering, make a more informed decision before having to speak to a human. Yeah. And so if, if, yeah. if you require a 15 minute demo and the demo is a sales rep going over a deck, maybe you just need to record that and publish it and let the, mm -hmm. let the customer be able to watch it without having to talk to a human. So the, like, that's the, the, to put a bow around that, the way your customer wants to buy has changed. That's the, that's mm -hmm. generally the, the second thing that I see when sales are flat. Very good. All right. Well, time has flown by. And um, so I'm going to just give you a couple of the um, rapid fires. So the first is, why did you get, um, come up with the revenue harvest name? I think that's just a very creative name. How did you come up with it and, and what was the driving force for that? Well, I mean, the driving force was I wanted something. Uh, I read Ryan Holiday's book, Perennial Seller, uh, and it talks about things that are that are timeless. I wanted to write a book that was going to be relevant forever. Uh, and so farming is a profession that is going to be around forever. Mm -hmm. And what's also true about farmers and sellers, uh, if there's no harvest, you're not a farmer. Well, there are a lot of sellers that like to bounce around from job to job, but they never produce a harvest. And so I said, what could salespeople learn from our friends in the farming community that don't monkey around with the identity? And so I interviewed a bunch of farmers. I was living on a farm in Kentucky, so it made it easy. Uh, and I learned that farmers can't control much of what they do. It's either too hot, too cold, too much rain, not enough rain. Mm -hmm. They don't even get to set the price of their own crops. 
It's also an, a business and industry that has been disintermediated by technology. Now they have all these expensive combines that nobody even drives with GPS and all this technology. Same thing like for salespeople, they got artificial intelligence that can do most of the job. Despite all of this, you still got to put hay in the barn. And so mm -hmm. I interviewed all these different farmers that grew different things. And I came up with these seven patterns, seven tactics that I noticed that every farmer, they did, they may not have called it what I call it in the book, but they did this really well. Uh, and so I based a, the book around these seven timeless principles that are uh, age old in the farming community. And I overlaid it on the selling year. Can you just give us the seven real quick? Yeah, yeah, real real quick. So mm -hmm. plan, position, prepare, plant, tend, harvest, and restore. Awesome. Okay, so out of those seven, what if somebody tries to skip one? <laughs> uh, mean, yeah, I mean. Can, the, can look, it still be done or is it just going to be a fail? Yeah, you can skip one. Yeah, you, you will not uh, have lasting success, but you can skip one and get by for a couple of years. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of what I see the most in sales is skipping the restore principle. And, and yeah. restore is different than rest. So rest is to not use. Okay, so we farmers understand that sometimes you don't you don't have a growing yes. season. So you rest. Restore is very different. They know that if I go plant corn in this field, and then next growing season, I go to plant corn again. Well, it's depleted. It's not the, the yield's not going to be as good. So I have to restore the ground. And you might be saying, well, what's that got to do with sales? Well, if you run your sales team ragged for 12 months and then their reward is a bigger number in January yeah. and just start all the way over, how's that going to go? If you go to your customers at the end, at the beginning of the year and ask them to renew for a price increase and you made no investments in their business throughout the course of the year, how's that going to go? Yeah. And, and so if you're listening to this, yeah, you, you can skip them, but good luck. Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, I've not ever heard it that way, but I think that's excellent advice. Well, I'm going to share my screen if any of you um are like me and want to know more about what um, Nigel can do for you, I'm going to share my contact or the contact information for Nigel so that you can contact him via website. All of this information is available on my findyourleadershipconfidence.com website, as well as my YouTube channel. But if you're watching, you can take a screenshot right now. If you're listening, I will give you the website, which is https colon forward slash forward slash www.nigelgreen.co. Again, that's nigelgreen.co. And Facebook, he is at Revenue Harvest, at LinkedIn, Revenue Harvest, Instagram, Revenue Harvest, and Twitter, one Nigel Green. YouTube, just search either Nigel Green or Revenue Harvest. You should be able to find him. I'm going to turn it over to Nigel to talk to you about what you can find on his website. Yeah, so if you go to my website, you're going to find a number of free PDFs. You're going to find uh, you can get my book for five dollars. I'm not trying to get rich on that book. I'm trying to give it give it away. So basically, uh, you can you can get the book there for next to nothing. You're going to get articles and resources, and you can see uh, how if you want more, how we might be able to work together. Awesome. 
Again, so that website is nigelgreen.co. So Nigel, you uh, just gave us such a wealth of information and I love the different perspective that you put a spin on everything. If you had last minute advice that you wish you would have had when you started this journey, what would that, that, that last minute advice you would have rather had to make your life easier? <laughs> to make my life easier. Oh man. Uh, so to make my life easier, I, I think I, I've learned probably in my mid to late thirties, uh, you know, I'm an athlete, so I want to win the game. The only way to win the game is to play your own game. I spent most of my twenties trying to play someone else's game and it's harder hard to win that game when you don't know the rules, you don't know the language and you can't read the scoreboard. So uh, if you want to win at life, I think you got to come up with your own game and know what the rules are. Uh, just like if you know you need to know what a first down is, you got to know what the language is for your own life and you got to put up a scoreboard and pay attention to the scoreboard or you won't know if you're winning or not. And it's just your game and it, you don't have to explain it to anybody else. But once you get really clear on that, life becomes a lot more fun because you can run up the score. That's great advice. All right. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. Again, um, as I always remind everyone, life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.